Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast, a podcast where we help you take your ideas from a dream to reality. Each episode will cover topics to help you overcome frustrations we all encounter in our maker community. I'm Trevor Wanamaker, a part-time maker running MakerExperiment.com, and my co-host Stephen Ellis is a part-time woodworker running Old South Woodcraft, and Martina Miller, who's a full-time maker running Naughty by Nature Designs. We've all encountered bumps and pitfalls along the road we call making, and we are using this podcast to help you avoid the same pitfalls. Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast for episode 46, where we're going to talk about, well, what we are. Are we artists? Are we makers? Craftsmen? Who knows at this point? But this week, it's Steven and myself. And Martina was here about, what, five minutes ago? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but her internet uh... died, so unfortunately, I don't think she'll be joining us this week. Yeah, she's having slight IT issues today. Yeah, we never have technical difficulties. No, we've never had te- technical difficulties. Neither you nor I have ever had that. I know. So what are you watching this week? Uh, actually, I was half in a hotel and half at home this week. So I've been watching mostly reruns of things. I watched Food Network reruns. I've watched Parks and Rec. I'm again watching it for the, I don't know, seventh, eighth time through again so i've been doing that been watching i was watching rick and morty uh forgot that was a pretty funny show because i never get to watch it at home since i don't have cable so i have to watch it whenever i'm out of town it's pretty funny very odd i have expected you to say friends just because i i'm not like i liked the show friends but i didn't like it to the capacity that i'm going to re-watch the whole thing now, once I get done with Parks and Rec, I'll probably rewatch all of Scrubs. Scrubs was good. Scrubs was Scrubs. amazing. Yeah, this week I watched Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Ooh, that sounds good. It's on HBO. Ooh. Well, we bought HBO so we could watch Game of Thrones, so we have it for the rest of the month. That's good. And we saw it come up, and it's a mini series, so it's only five or six episodes. And it's about the nuclear uh, power plant in Chernobyl that the core exploded. Yep. They had a a core meltdown because they were doing emergency. They were doing emergency tests to see, like, to make sure all the backup systems worked, Mm -hmm. which means they drained the water, the cooling water, out of the fuel rod area. And lo and behold, their backup systems didn't work. So they couldn't get anything to come back on and refill the fuel rods. Uh, so they had a nuclear meltdown. It There's overheated. A combination of that and um, poor it was poor training. Yeah. So we were watching that, and it was it was very interesting to watch, and it's also very scary to see, like what people went through yeah it's it was it was interesting to see pictures because in uh radiation training whenever i have to do that every so often um you know they'll always post you know they'll always have some chernobyl pictures it got so hot it melted concrete yeah it's not really something that you normally could think of as something that would melt concrete melted it was it's pretty interesting to watch the show and then we watched um the rest of Handmaid's Tale, so that Ooh. we're ready for when the news when it comes back out. out. Do we know when it comes back out? I think it's June 6th. Oh, yes. I'm so excited for it to come back. So, that starts, it should start this week. So, Alright, so I'm excited. Now I know what I'm going to be watching on Hulu now. In between Parks and Rec. Yeah. That'll be cool. It'll be very good. It'll be very good. So, on to the topic. Yes. All right. So our lovely buddy Brent of Clean Cut Woodworking uh, 
he and I had an interesting message back and forth, probably about a week, week and a half ago, uh, regarding a uh, woodworker that lives not too far from where I live. Uh, I'm very familiar with his work. Uh, he specializes in all walnut furniture as well as wall sculptures. And whenever he builds furniture, he builds furniture to the nth degree. So much so that I I would call him an artist more than I would call him a woodworker. And that led me and Brent to get on the topic of, you know, what, you know, it's like, what do we kind of, you know, def- not necessarily define ourselves by, but what do we really sort of uh, align ourselves with? Uh, myself personally, I would consider myself more of a craftsman slash woodworker because I don't have a necessarily artistic feel to any of anything that I do. Um, I'm taking my hands and, and doing it in a, uh, I guess what would be considered more of a cr- traditional craft manner. Um, just sort of, uh, hmm, how to, be- how to best describe this? I, I guess just build, just building things, just building things. I would probably agree with you on that. Partly, yeah. I guess, because you only use hand tools, really. Yeah, I mean, I you can, you of... could. I mean, they made a lot of art with hand tools. I I'm mean, not saying that I mean, all carvings are hand, just about hand tool only. But I don't. I mean, you've never really put an artistic. No, no, I'm not, I've never put it. it. No, I've never, never built anything for an artistic sort of piece. I've had some interesting things that I've made that have a more unique, more unique look to them, but I've never had uh, what I would consider a quote unquote art piece. Well, either way, I, I think you, the whole conversation about whether you're an artist or a craftsman or a maker or a woodworker, there's, I think in general we all get lumped into the maker. Just because it's it's the most broad term, probably, that you could use. But there are a lot of people, I think, that are woodworkers and not so much makers. Which, I mean, it's not like any of it's bad, whether you're an artist or a craftsman or a maker or whatever. But the woodworkers, I don't know. When it comes to being a woodworker, in my mind, all you do is use general woodworking tools and you only work with wood and you only focus on basic woodwork or not basic but projects that would be considered a woodworking project i don't know how many people stick to that without branching out in some fashion maybe that's why everybody's a maker well i mean i think maker right now is kind of um it's a sort of ubiquitous term, and it's also very much a, a buzzword. It is a buzzword. I mean, I think people like Jimmy DeResta and uh, Bob Claggett kind of really started that sort of term of, of being a maker. Because, I mean, Bob Claggett is, I like to make stuff. I mean, the primary, yeah. the primary word there is make. So if you make things, then you would be a maker. Well, so I think we all fall under a maker category. It doesn't matter if if you make jewelry or if you make, you know, 16th century replica boats, you know. Everyone makes things. That is very true. But some people, I think, more align themselves as being artists. There are some people that may not even call themselves artists, and I would most certainly call them an artist because they have ideas that are so far out of the box. It seems like the box does not exist. It is so free-formed that it doesn't matter what it is the media is, whether it be wood, stone, epoxy, laser, acrylic. You know, it's, it's, it's very artistic. You're not taking a simple... You're not taking a very simple idea and moving forward with it. You're taking a, a very free-form, flowing idea that's that's a mile long and starting at a very simple point and ending up with something that's very unique. Yeah. And with 
with my stuff, I'm I'm probably just a maker. <laughs> well, considering, you know, it's in my last name and it's in my brand name. And I, I think I've always kind of sided with that part of it. And ever since I started making things, period, which was back, you know, when Daresta and Bob Claggett were still small channels, which they're not anymore. But I mean, I don't know that they've ever been that small. Well, they all started somewhere. They didn't That's start true. That's true. 2 million. That's true. But they have to think... I don't know that necessarily it was like that for Bob, because I think Bob came from more of a IT sort of background. Did, yeah. But DeRest, I think, actually went to school to be an artist. I mean, long before long before he was DeResta on YouTube, he was the man that invented um, toys. He did art pieces. Like, he did installations in New York City. Well, you know, it helped because he was based out of New York City. But he did art installations for stores, for displays, for lots of different things. I think he was always on that that tip of being an artist. He was always on that track. But because of his upbringing, because of the way his father and his, his family was, he had a very hands-on upbringing. So he knew... The, he knew how to use a table saw. He knew how to use a bandsaw. He knew how to be, you know, he knew how to, he knew how to weld. He knew a lot of the, I guess, heavier hands-on things that a lot of the quote-unquote artists don't ask, don't always necessarily know about. You know, I don't, I could probably go up to an artist now, someone that's a painter, and ask them if they know anything about a bandsaw. They probably have no idea. They get their canvas, you know, they get their canvas pre-done. They buy canvas somewhere. There are some people that will make their own. They will make their own, but I don't know, you know, how exactly they go about making the frame. If they just buy the pieces pre-cut or what, I have no idea. I think there are people that full-on do the whole thing. Yes, and I, and that's actually part of, uh, I think, a lot of, like, art schools make you at some point in your career make your own stretcher frame yeah i toured an art school once and they they actually had a table saw in the school that was the framing department where you learned how to make your own frames and you learned how to do your own canvas stuff hmm that's pretty cool interesting that's pretty cool. See, look at this. So you, you didn't even realize that you were an artist. You, you went and toured an art school. Well, I didn't tour it as a potential student, though. Oh, why did you tour an art school then? It was a group I was a part of. Do it like going out to just tour places around town. Oh, okay. I was like, I was like, how does one go from art school to Purdue? It's definitely not seeing a whole lot of artists at Purdue. Well, when I was in high school, I I guess I always wanted to be an engineer when it came to, like, the high school years. Like, in middle school, I wanted to be an architect, and then as I got older, I was like, no, I want to be an engineer. And then, you know, I graduated, got a job, started working, and now I'm wondering if I should have been, like, an industrial designer. Because <laughs> I like designing stuff that's semi-artistic and utilitarian. So you should have been a JT? Probably. Gone to Carnegie Mellon, get you a super sweet engineering degree? Like, I, it's not that I don't enjoy being an engineer, but the longer I'm in it, the more it becomes like a paper-pushing purchase order organizational administrative type of job. That's because you've become an engineering manager. Yeah, unless it's been less of a design and you know, my first job or well, the first job I had that was design related was figuring out how to do things and how to make molds and stuff and it was enjoyable. And now it's kind of like, okay, yeah, let me put in a purchase order and follow up and make phone calls. And that's 
part of why I've tried to dive deeper into the business side that I started is it gives me the freedom to make kind of whatever I want within reason anyway. You you went from a from a free form thinker to an actual you know, to just being a, a manager, someone that agrees or disagrees with with whatever paperwork comes in front of them. Well yeah, it's like a project manager. So you know, you make the purchase orders, you keep track of the bomb, you write reports. It's I mean it's like anything else. You start somewhere, you get further into the job and then it changes. Mm, yep. That's what happened. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. That's why I started the maker experiment business so I can kind of make whatever I want. Like you still have to do if you're a one man show or one woman show, you still have to do the purchases and you still have to do the banking and you still have to do all this other stuff, but you're also the one making everything because exactly nobody else to help you. So that's, it comes at a cost of, you know, because I want it to pay for itself and fund itself and make money. I have to do all the IT work. I have to do all the purchasing work. I have to do all the sales work. And hopefully one day it'll grow and pay off. And this is why I don't ever want to make mine too serious of a business, because I don't like any of that thing. I don't like any of those things. Well, I think that's why a lot of people don't do businesses, because it's... Because it it takes the fun out of it. It yeah, unless, fun out of being... unless you can have the money to hire people to do all the things you don't like, you're going to be doing stuff you don't like. Like, I don't like taxes, and I don't like accounting, and I... Like, ordering's okay. It's not terrible. Figuring out new materials is okay, because that's part of the job. Making things is obviously the best part. But... You know, you do what you gotta do. There you go. Well, and I, I'm not gonna say that trying to start your own business is for everybody. Because you go through a lot of junk you don't want to. And sometimes it's super stressful. Like so the that... last month or whatever, I only did website work. <laughs> so, Boo... Just boo on that. Boo. Yeah, but the website is up now. So It is, and it looks nice. It looks very, very nice. It's very fancy. It took a lot of work. I imagine it did. But that brings up a uh, an interesting thing that I didn't even think, you know, what if we added, well, you know, add to the list designer? Some people are really great with the... with the, you know, putting pencil to paper and having the, the thought... Sometimes the end result doesn't get there. What about the people that are makers that that are more designers? You know, not necessarily artistic, but but definitely people that think outside of the box and and have to really think about their design, where they're going with it. I know I'm not really a great sketch sort of person. I don't really have that those skills. It takes a long time for me to sketch something out. So I, a lot of times, just kind of go with it freeform. I have an idea in my head of what it is that I want, and then, you know, I slowly work the wood down smaller and smaller until I get something that, that's that's what I want to achieve. Yeah, and the designer part... It kind of goes in, if if you're like a maker that builds the final product, it goes into that process, but there are some people that do nothing but design. Lo- I mean, there's logo designers, there's industrial designers, there's graphic designers. Like, all their products are digital. They, yeah. they still make stuff, but it's all... Yeah, they're, they're, making, they're making lots of things. They just don't have a 3D thing. They don't have something you can tangibly hold in your hands. Yeah, but that's one side that if you do CNC work or you do laser work or 3D printing, knowing you pretty how much have to, to do that stuff yeah, is pretty much a necessity. Graphic design, 
Like, I'm not going to say I'm fantastic at it. I'm not really a logo designer, and I'm not somebody that can make, like, colorful poster stuff. <laughs> colorful poster stuff. Yeah, you know, like, marketing posters and flyers and junk. Ah, you gotcha, gotcha. I was like, because like, as soon as you said colorful poster stuff, all I could think about was your two daughters making, like, stuff on, on like, craft paper, you know, like, crayons and markers and glitter. That's immediately what I thought I can get by with designing if I need to. Like, I designed my own logo, but it took forever. And I've designed, like, flyer cards and stuff for stuff that I do. And most of the stuff I do is more black and white 2D vector design, which I've gotten a lot better at, and I can do it pretty quickly. But I would consider that the graphic design side of my business. Yeah. I have a feeling my oldest daughter will be really good at that kind of stuff when she's older. Because all she wants to do is craft and draw and color and all that. Well, I think I think she gets it honestly from both of you. I mean, your wife's crazy good at making cakes. She, yeah. She hasn't made one in a while. I need to get her to do that. Because she made some pretty awesome ones. So, I think I think your daughter's come by it honestly. Between the engineer dad and the very artistic mom. Yeah, when she's maybe in the next year or so, I'm going to try to introduce her to the computer design side and let her start doing stuff on there. Because I think she could be really talented and enjoy it. I think what you ought to do is get her a tablet. Well, I mean, she has like a regular one, but it's not meant for that kind of stuff. Yeah. I've thought about getting a laptop that acts as a tablet. Oh, okay. Like a, what is that? Oh, God. What are those called? Like a, they're called it's a workbook, a, I think. I don't know. I like, forget. I think now they're just two-in-ones or something. Yeah. But there's one that uh, I was looking at getting, but they're still really high in price. You can find a used one probably somewhere. Probably eBay. eBay. Well, knowing you, I mean, you're the you're the king of of Craigslist eBay. Not lately. The electronic bay. Uh, the computer I'm using now, I think I bought for like three hundred bucks off eBay. That sounds about right. Hey, it works. It runs CAD. It runs graphic design. My old computers are too old to run Adobe Illustrator or the new Adobe Illustrator anyway. There's not there's not enough graphics processing in them to handle it. Oh no, like they have the processing power. The problem is the operating system is too old. Ah, okay. And if I update the operating system, then it starts to conflict with the hardware. So then it gets worse. So that's about right. It's a catch twenty two. But you know, but as far as like maker side goes, I mean, I do woodworking. I just don't share it as much because nobody. Oh come on now, you're not a woodworker. The laser does all the work for you. <laughs> That's what everybody says. Yeah, yeah. So what? I guess what term would best sort of fit people that do CNC laser 3D printing? I mean, is that? I, I would say maker. Maker? Okay. I wasn't sure if there was like a more specific term for someone that, that does that sort of work. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I don't know. That's interesting. That's interesting because, I mean, we both have you know, a friend that does CNC work here locally that he's he's amazing with CNC work. Very, very skilled. Which one are you talking about? Josh. Oh yeah. 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 I would But I mean his background his background is industrial in- or either industrial engineering or design engineering. He's well he's an engineer. He well, I know that where yes. I used to work. Yes. Yeah, he's definitely an engineer for sure. And he's I think he's more mechanical. But regardless, he 
I would still say he's a maker. Okay. Because really, the thing with CNC and laser is you have to also know how to design in on a computer. So whether it's vector designer, 3D modeling, or whatever, you have to know both sides. So it's... I don't know. I'd still say maker. All right. But then again, I classify myself as a maker, and I well, I mean, you're do laser side. You do so. that. You do more laser. Yes, I classify myself classify myself more as a craftsman because I I craft things. I I do it in a not in a you know arts and crafts well, that's sort of term, but crafts as in like crafts people. And depending on who you talk to, you're going to get conflicting opinions on yes that because some people will say they're crafters yes i am not a crafter and i think if i classified myself as a craftsman most like quote unquote craftsman would probably have a heart attack because it'd be like you don't you're not a craftsman because i don't know in my mind every time i see craftsman i think like hand tool work is like the first thing i think of i don't know why I think it's always been that way to me. Probably because most of the people that classify themselves as craftsmen when I was growing up were doing like hand carving or hand tool work. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty, pretty standard. I'm thinking craftsmen more as like crafts people, crafts at slash trades. So people yeah. that it's, it's definitely a lot more hands on. Uh, sort of use of the term craftsman. And there's something to be said about the robot side. Like the CNC's and the lasers. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's definitely more of an artistic artistic side to it. Not to say that craftspeople are not artistic, but you have to have a lot more design, a lot more out-of-the-box thinking to take something that is just a drawing and expound upon that so that way that way the robot can do you know can do its part yeah and with the well like you said with the cnc and laser side you have to be able to put it in a digital form you can't just draw it on a piece of paper take it well i guess there's some lasers where they're starting to try and get there but you can't just like draw the design take it to the garage and start working from your drawing. Like you have to put it into the computer so the computer can tell the machine what to do. Yes. And there's even before I got a laser or started designing for one, even when I did woodworking projects, I still 3d modeled them because I wanted to make sure that the dimensions I were doing were correct. The, space I was designing to was gonna fit and all that and actually it for me 3d modeling always helped me see issues that were gonna happen that I wouldn't have known until I went out there and cut something yep but the other thing I've done is if you are at least for me if I'm designing digitally the thing that I found very powerful is I can make 10 iterations of a design and see what I'm going to like from a visual aspect before I ever have to cut anything. When I used to draw things like way back in the day and try to design from the drawing, I'd get part way and I'd be like, I don't really like how this looks after all, but then it's too late to change it because you've already cut all the material. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that's why I think, using hand tools because yes, it is a slower process, but it's more methodical. I can, I can literally see the piece kind of coming together. If you run a piece through the table saw and it's like, Oh crap, that doesn't look right now. You're done. You've already ran the whole piece of the table saw and it's, it's quick. Now, if I start cutting something and something doesn't look right, cutting it with a handsaw, I can I can readjust. I mean, I can't put the wood back, but I can maybe finesse it. I tried, so last night I started working on putting the bow ties in this wedding bench. 
and uh, <clears throat> I'm using pieces of they're already they were already like nice they were the right thickness they were already the, pretty much the right the right width I needed to make these bow ties out of uh, out of this old chestnut this offcuts of chestnut I had decided I would stack them together and cut them on the bandsaw so that way I have two pieces that are pretty well identical and then all I got to do is refine them with a chisel to to get all the lines sharp and to to get you know to get the mill marks off of them. You know, I did that two or three times, wasted not a lot of wood, but wasted enough to, to irritate me, and then realized, crap, I don't like the way the bandsaw is doing this. I'm just going to cut it by hand. So that's what I did. I drew it out, cut it by hand, and then realized, oh, I like this shape a lot more. All I did was take, the, take a nice, flat, wide chisel from there, and I refined the shape. If I, if I wanted to go a little bit thinner with the bow tie, take a little bit more chisel to it. If I wanted to stay that nice sort of chunky look, didn't have to do much with it. The thing is, once once you cut it on the bandsaw, bandsaw's quick. I cut it by hand and refined it with a chisel. Man, I can I can finesse that all day long. Well, the pretty much anything I do once I start, you're you're pretty much it, that yeah. material's done. Yeah, which is why I make people pay up front for anything custom because once I start cutting <laughs> it, it's committed. It you can't you can't you can't really put uh, can't really put acrylic back together. No, can't really. Man, that'd be nice. Fix it. That was always the that was always the upside of working with metal. It's like, well, I guess technically I could always weld this back together, grind the weld out, and have a salvageable piece. The one thing I do have to say about like acrylic working with it on a laser is super nice because it it's basically flame polishing it as it cuts it you're and getting you a get you're getting a burnish yeah yeah and a cnc you don't quite get that look no and i honestly i i went with a laser because less people had one but honestly you need if you want to do CNC and laser work, you need both. And I've always said that. And the more I work on things, the more I'm like, yeah, in this particular application, a CNC would have been better. But I find ways around it. Like, I'll make a template on the laser and then use it with a router. And that's kind of where, or why, I would classify myself as a maker, is because I I usually make my own tools to do the job that I need to do or I make the final product or I design it or whatever and my last name kind of just made it work so in that respect it made sense to me to try to keep part of my last name as my brand name because I think it was fairly unique in that respect which, I guess for people who don't know, my last name is Wanamaker. So the last half of it is Maker. Yep. And, you you know, you've always want to be a maker. You've, you've wanted to be a maker your entire life. I don't know about my entire life. <laughs> until I was, until probably 2012 or 2013, it wasn't even on my radar. And then it just, I mean, growing up, I used to, make stuff for craft shows with my parents. But as I got older, I kind of got out of it until I found something that I enjoyed doing, which was the laser side. And then kind of just went from there. And, but it's, I mean, I know people that I'd classify as artists. Oh, for sure. And there's, they're definitely artists that follow us follow the podcast, follow us, you know, on our own Instagrams, as well as some that I follow. Um, the one that, of course, comes to mind is uh, Amanda Taberski. Taberski? I'm not sure exactly how to say her last name, because it is definitely not a Southern name. Uh, she is a wonderful, wonderful artist. I mean, she's got art in her Instagram, uh, but she is a carver. She carves everything by hand, so that is definitely far more artistic than than you or I could could come up with. But there 
there are plenty of wonderful artists out there. See, people would say that I would cheat because I'd probably put it on a CNC. <laughs> but but, in but my you don't mind, have a CNC to do it. But Well, I have friends with ones. But yeah. in my mind, if I can take something that somebody can hand carve and I can still do it on a CNC, I would still say that that's artistic. Because you still have to model that, which is its own form of art. Like it had, I mean, there's something to be said about being able to design, even if a machine is what ends up actually cutting the parts. There's something to be said about being able to design it and think through it without physically being able to touch it. Because knowing the scale and knowing the orientation and how to form things it's its own skill set really and i don't know that's kind of the thing i dove into is trying to learn more about the digital design which i still don't know enough about but as i go the more i learn and the more people i have asking me questions now that get lasers or cncs and they're wondering how to use illustrator and 3d modeling software and all that other stuff I know, now you're becoming like a uh, consultant. <laughs> Sometimes add the, I add, feel the, like add the consultant hat to your, uh, to your list of, of uh, hats, many, many hats you already wear. I think I answer laser questions at least two or three times a week. Well, I mean, you put out a question almost every day on your stories. It's like, hey, what do you want to know about lasers? Or, hey, what do you want to know about this? Or, what do you want to know about that? I get a lot of the same questions. I figured, I figured, because it's new people that don't necessarily know who you are. Well, usually it's, what's the best laser for beginners? Yes, I see that one quite frequently. And uh, then... The best one you can afford for the money? Well, the first question I ask is, what your what is your budget? Ah, because okay. that tells you a lot. But you get some people that will say, my budget's a thousand bucks. Then I would go with a CNC. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you, uh, anything you printer. Get, anything you can get laser wise for a thousand bucks is probably something that will be so hands on and so involved and requires so much maintenance that it'll drive you nuts and you won't enjoy it like you want to. Yes, I've been there. I bought one for a thousand bucks, and I got furiated. Yeah, the old adage "buy once, cry once" comes to mind. Well, see, for me it worked out because I, I bought one that needed a lot of maintenance and a lot of babysitting. I figured out what I didn't want and then jumped on one that I knew would work out and never had a problem with that one. But if I didn't have one I hated, I never would have known. Because when I went to upgrade my machine to the bigger one. Mm-hmm. I was considering machines from the manufacturer that made my very first one. And then I remembered how much I didn't like it. And I was like, no. And then I bought the one I did. Help somebody that had the machine I was looking at because it was half the cost. And immediately knew I didn't want it. Yeah, I think I remember you doing that. That was pretty funny. Because as soon as I saw it, as soon as I tried to help with it, all I could think was, this setup is so stupid. It's like you literally just bought yourself a dumpster fire. So, and that's, I mean, it's like anything else. You get what you pay for, right? Pretty much. Pretty much. But you can also get a lot for whatever your budget is. You just have to be careful about it. Because you can have a, you know, a $5,000 budget. And still get a nice machine. You just have to look in the used market instead of the new market. Touche. But some people want it brand new. Like, well, you can have a brand new piece of crap or you can have a used, you know, Cadillac. Okay, machine. Yeah. It's like anything else. Mm-hmm. I think probably 75% of my garage is used machines. I know. and It's very irritating. Why? Because I know what stuff's in your garage, and I would like to have it. Well. Especially that bandsaw. I, I spent hate, four I years you. building up that garage. 
I know you did. That was a lot of Craigslist dealings. I didn't start with that bandsaw. I know you didn't. I know you didn't. But I have to admit the Laguna bandsaw I have is pretty nice. Yeah, I know. I know, and I hate you for it. Well, start looking at Craigslist. You're in the Craigslist mecca. I know. Because here, I can't find anything like that. In South Carolina, I could find that stuff all the time. Yep. Or at least, you know, Charlotte, Atlanta. Within rough driving two distance. hours. Yeah. Get to looking, man. Get to looking. I know. I know. It's not like I need it, so. I just need a slightly better bandsaw that has actual resaw capacity, because that little, that little Ryobi does not, does not do well. I think mine has probably the highest resaw capacity of the size that I have. Like yours is a yours is a floor standing model. Yeah, you have what fourteen inch resaw? Uh, almost. Yeah, that's it's what I was thinking. I think it's close to thirteen. Yeah, like it's a fourteen inch bandsaw, but the actual resaw capacity is somewhere between twelve and thirteen. Yeah, because well, because of the the guide. Yeah, the guide gets in the way, but it can, it can do a lot. Well, the good part about mine is it came with the Resaw King blade, because I bought it used, and the person mm-hmm. just gave me every blade he had. And that blade is super nice. Although I don't think I could stomach paying 150 bucks for it if I if it didn't come with it. Well, the thing is, is how much resawing have you ever done? I've done some. But I've not probably much. resawing like <clears throat> five or six boards. But as I, if I, if I start offering like materials as part of what I want to do, offering like thin hardwood strips, you might start making your own veneers. It's cheaper than buying them. Yeah. Because you buy a veneer for 20, 30 bucks. Like I could buy the whole board for 20, 30 bucks. But then you have to get a drum sander. I have a friend with one. There you go. So I could cut them all down and then go over there and... Send them all through? Yeah, until I could afford one. Goals, right? Goals. Goals, for sure. Goal number one. Pay off my current laser. That's That's probably the the most important goal. That is by far the most important goal. Goal number one for me... Get done what I need to get done. That's that's pretty much it. Just complete the project I've been tasked with doing. Yeah. Well, my goal for the last month was build an e-commerce website. And there you go. And you have it done. It looks nice. Well, that's the thing. Like, And you've added more commerce to it. If I can focus on one thing, I can usually get it done faster. If I try to do a bunch of different things at once, that's when I start having focus issues. I don't know. Regardless of whether you're an artist, a craftsman, a maker, whatever, woodworker, whatever you want to call yourself, we're all still a community. We all still help each other. Granted, there are a lot of people that seem to not want to help other people, which is strange. I think some people are, I've, I've seen lately quite a few people that want help from you, but they don't want to pay it forward and help other people. Like, they want to keep the knowledge you just told them secret, like it's gonna, you know... Like, it's it's world-shattering, you know... Yeah. It's literally, it, like, it, it will make or break your business. You cannot share the secret. Well, when I shared those nightlights I made, I think I had at least ten people ask me where I got the LED bases that light up, and I, I told every one of them where I got them from. It's like, if you're gonna find them somewhere... You're going to find out the answer regardless of if I tell you or not. So Exactly. No you may just you just may have the uh the you know, the better advantage of knowing where to get them cheaper. That may be your advantage. Yeah, but what I find is if you are willing to share information, I feel like more people will trust your brand and more people will trust you and more people will recommend you or talk to you or come back to you because you've helped them. Now, if you have the question and you say, I'm not telling you, 
then you're a jerk and people don't want to buy into your brand and that works it negativity spreads faster than positivity so people are going to say to other people how much of a jerk you were they might not tell anybody how nice and helpful you were so i try to avoid the negativity by just helping people when i can i don't know maybe maybe that's not the way to do it from a quote-unquote business financial decision but people are going to find stuff anyway normally once a week do i get a question about tools hand tools i get it all the time i've gotten the where do you get this material or what material is that or how do you do this or and some people will straight up say hey i make signs too or i make this too can you tell me how you i don't know paint it or how you prime it or what you use for primer or whatever and then there's some people that try to be sneaky about it, which I'd rather you just be upfront. Like, don't ask me everything about my process and how it works and then say, oh, by the way, I also make signs. Like, just tell me upfront. I don't care. Like, I have no problem sharing information, but don't try to, like, sneakily get the information. I don't know. Some people suck. But then I've also had people that have seen my stuff and then they straight up ask, hey, can I do that too? Like, I'm not going to stop you, but, but I don't have a I don't have copyright on any of this. Well, even if you have copyright, it's difficult to enforce it because it takes money. So, it's like anything else. But I don't know. I would say I'm a maker. You're saying you're a craftsman. I would say that Martina. What would Martina be? Since she's not here. We're gonna we're gonna talk for her. We're gonna talk for her. Yeah. I would think she is kind of a mix of things. I'd say she is a designer. I would say she's a designer from the home decor aspect. Yeah, I mean she's very good she has a very good eye for design and what you know, what's appealing to the eye. As well as she's a woodworker and uh, and a maker. Like I don't know, I don't know if she would classify herself as an artist or not. I, I really don't know. She might, she might, but I I don't know that she she does. I would say she's. I don't know. I'd still say she's probably a maker. To me, a maker is somebody that does multiple things from different aspects and joins them all together. But that's very broad. That's very broad. I would say anyone who anyone who makes things, anyone who takes raw materials and turns them into something usable or functional or or just basically taking raw material and 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 using it in a in a unique fashion would be a maker yeah i'd agree so i'd i'd probably say that she's a maker mainly focused on design and woodworking seem fair that seems very fair to me. Now she's not here to speak for herself. So. Exactly. Now we'll wait till the edit comes out, and then she'll yell at us, which is totally okay, because we've yelled at her before. We will yell at her. Don't worry. But I think I think that's about, or that about does it for this week. I'm pretty sure it does. I'm pretty sure it does. I would like to know what people that are listening to podcasts what they what they think you know if, if you've got a term that we didn't cover you're you're not a designer you're not an artist you're not a craftsman you're not a maker you're something else mm -hmm. let us know let us know because it's just interesting to see where people find themselves you know brent and i uh are in two different you know we're in two different ideas we both agreed that this one particular person that we were Furniture maker that we were discussing, definitely an artist. Uh, Brent considers himself more of an artist. I consider myself more of a craftsman. So, you know, let us know. It's it's interesting just to see the the different ideas, the different appeals, and why you think why you think you are one thing versus the other thing. It's just it's it's very unique. Yeah, I would agree. And for everybody listening, if since we haven't actually shouted this out in a while. We do have uh, merch and stuff to help support the podcast if you choose to do so. So we have uh, two swag packs on our website at makervisionpodcast.com. 
One is a bottle opener with some stickers and stuff, and the other one is a mug and bottle opener and some smaller stuff. Uh, but if you choose to buy one, it, everything goes to help support the podcast from the hosting fees and the publishing fees and the website fees uh, that right now we split out of pocket. So we're just trying to break even at this point, I think. Yeah, yeah we're not going the Patreon route. Yeah, we're not. We're in the red. <laughs> we're in the, yeah. But it's okay. We we still plan to do this as long this as is, we can. It's a labor of love. Sometimes yes. it's more labor than it is love. But when we see responses on the Instagram, when we see, we see responses on iTunes, that's definitely the love. And we appreciate that from each and every person that listens to the podcast. It, and it's nice. It's nice to have that community because I wouldn't know probably half of you that have recently followed me in the last year or so, I probably wouldn't have known you at all. But because of the podcast now, I've made wonderful friends, got to meet people in person, and just basically share share the wealth, share the love. We really, really appreciate each and every one of you as listeners. Thanks for being here with us. Yeah, well, until next time, and hopefully Martina will be back. And hopefully, will be barring, barring our t- IT issues. Yes. <laughs> so I'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to today's show. As a continued listener, we greatly appreciate your feedback, your input, and just downloading the episode every week. If you're a new listener, thank you for hopping on, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And we also hope that you continue to join along with us every week as we'll put out new podcasts covering all sorts of maker topics. Also, be sure to check out MakerVisionPodcast.com, where we'll post valuable resources, tips, tricks, and maker swag, including stickers, because, you know, makers love stickers. And we'll do this to help your maker vision become a maker reality. If you have any questions, suggestions, or any general input about this particular episode or previous episodes, you can reach out to our podcast email at makervisionpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach us on our Instagram, and that's makervisionpodcast. Even better, you can reach out to us directly through my personal Instagram, that is Old South Woodcraft, Trevor's personal Instagram, Maker Experiment, and the personal Instagram of our newest co-host, Martina, at Naughty by Nature Designs. She also runs the Maker Vision Podcast Instagram account, so if you have questions, you can reach out to her either way, and she'll be happy to help. Also, if you really enjoyed today's episode, or even if you didn't enjoy enjoy today's episode, let us know. Give us a review. Hopefully it's a five-star review to show us that, hey, we've been doing good, but if you didn't, tell us what you didn't like about it, because we're happy to hear from you either way. And once again, thank you for being a listener, and we hope to see you next week. 